Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. We have some amazing peeps with us today. Yes, Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick. They are brothers, and not only did they grow up together making films together as children, but they today write, speak, and create Christian films along with a brother of theirs, Shannon. And I'm sure that you have seen their work. Overcomer, War Room, Courageous, Fireproof, and Facing the Giants, to name a few. And they've also co-written New York Times best-selling books, The Love Dare, The Resolution for Men, and The Battle Plan for Prayer. Tell us about your new and first documentary, Show Me the Father. Give us a flyover. So uh, Show Me the Father was an answer to prayer for us. We already had a heart for fatherhood. Uh, Stephen, my brother, came to me and he said, my heart's stirring for fatherhood again. I I feel like there are stories that we could tell. And then we started praying about it. The Lord gave us five amazing stories that are every bit as cinematic and heart-grabbing as any movie we've ever done. Uh, Five true stories on different aspects of fatherhood, but all as it relates to God the Father. And the people that have seen it so far uh, leave the screening saying, I understand better God as Father than I ever have before. Mm. So that's what you're getting at is is giving us a vision of the perfect father. Absolutely. The scriptures consistently tie the word perfect to the fatherhood of God. Mm. And Jesus did that in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Every perfect gift comes from him. And so if you contrast that with the brokenness of human fatherhood, dads are you know, not always perfectly representing the roles and the responsibilities that God has called them to. And so you see that God steps in and he says, I will be a father to the fatherless, but also through Jesus, Ephesians one says we're adopted by God, the father, and we become his beloved children and he becomes our perfect father. And so it really is a movie for everybody because everybody has a father story, whether Mm -hmm. it's painful or inspiring, but all of us need a relationship with God through Jesus. And Jesus came not just to introduce us to him, but specifically to introduce us to the father. We just want to hear, you know, you've done incredible things. You've had wide impact and influence and praise God for all of that. But the credential we care most about is how did you fall in love with Jesus? Wow. You know, I would say the first way I fell in love with the Lord was watching what he did in the life of my parents, specifically my dad. My dad himself did not have a good father. He was an alcoholic. He was unfaithful. He was often drunk when he would come home. Then everything that goes with that, as as you can imagine. And so my dad did not even hear that he was loved until he was college age. And that's from his father. Mm -hmm. By the time I came along, my grandfather had come to Christ, and I didn't see the ugly side of that before he passed away. But my dad really struggled growing up with the sense that God loved him, that he was lovable. He had a lot of insecurity. And so my dad, you know, met with the Lord. He was, he literally walked off into the woods and said, God, I'm sick of this stuff. I don't, I don't want to pass on this pain, this 
alcoholism, this unfaithfulness to my family. And Lord, I need you to help me. And the Lord, he said he could tell the Lord met with him there Mm -hmm. and that he resolved in his own life that he would walk with Jesus. He would honor the Lord. And it was very hard because he had to overcome He had to overcome all of those feelings of why doesn't my dad love me? Why doesn't he give me attention? Why why do I not feel affirmed? But little by little, the Lord worked on his heart. And my dad gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Later, my grandfather would do the same. And then my dad grew up, was an ordained minister, started a Christian school that I graduated from, and was an amazing dad to us. Now, not without struggles, But I saw a sincere desire to honor God. And when I saw that, it made me want the same thing. So that was my introduction to faith through Jesus Christ. And then as I have grown, man, I I can't tell you how many times I have relied on the Lord and have spent time with him. And Jesus is everything to me. He is the doorway to, to God, the father. He is salvation. He is hope. He is forgiveness. He is mercy. He is the ultimate example of love. And so as I get to know Jesus and allow him to shine through me, I am a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. I'm a better filmmaker. And so, yes, Jesus is everything to me. He is the way, the truth, the life. He is the only way to the Father, and He is my salvation. So, five powerful stories in your documentary, Show Me the Father. Tell me one story that stands out for you. So, I'm going I'm to tell you the story of Jim Daly. Jim Daly is currently the president of Focus on the Family, and he tells this riveting story of... Uh, Growing up as a foster child, his father was not a good father. He was an alcoholic. He was he was in and out of their home and uh, eventually died in an abandoned building drunk. And so Jim Daly was frustrated for many of his 20s and 30s, not having that dad to call and to encourage him and to be with him. But he was a Christian with a growing relationship, and he was going through an especially hard time. And he was in his basement in a chair down there that he sometimes would go to just to get away and have time with the Lord. And he was complaining to God. And he said, God, here I am, the president of Focus on the Family. I've got a wife and a kids, but you never gave me that dad. You never, you never gave me the dad that I could call and get advice from and counsel. And he said, almost in a tonal quality, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, Jim, haven't I been a good father? Mm-hmm. And he said he wept. And when he started yeah. realizing that God had been there for him the entire time, watching over him, blessing him, teaching him, you know, blessing his family, and that even through hardships, God was there. And he said he fell to his knees and he said, God, I am sorry. You have been the best father any guy could ever want. And man, that story just gripped my heart. I was like, wow. But, you know, we, it's like we overlook and take for granted that God is always there. And we complain about the the smaller things within our vision and our reach. And, uh, you know, I just was like, wow, that that gave me a perspective on the fact that the Lord is faithful. He is loving. He is more merciful and gracious than any earthly father could ever be. Mm. So, yes, I want to be a good father to my kids. But ultimately, my joy is in knowing I have a loving, perfect heavenly father. 
That story just illustrates the human condition. Whatever the circumstances are, you know, we we stand and we say, but God, what about this? Can you just fix my health? Can you just make this relationship right? Can you just do that? Can you just do that? And the entire time he's just standing there saying, I am. I am the I am. I am enough. I am everything you stand in need of. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So God, you know, when we look at God for who he is, you know, we often look at God in that term, almost like he's a distant, all-powerful being just gazing down at us. But no, he wants to be known as father. It says when your father, your father knows what you have need of and, and your father loves you. And, and, and Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Well, what was Jesus like? Jesus was among the people. He was loving, gracious, patient, kind. He was a healer. He was a teacher. He was he was gracious to so many people. And he says, if you've seen me, this is what God is like. And so when I'm mindful of that, God is no longer this distant being. He is intimate and close and someone that I can, that I can relate to and talk to and someone that loves us. You've been in some good company in making this film. You've had some pretty incredible voices speaking into the issue of fatherhood. What's something that you came out from this experience with? What did you learn? You know, we go through a whole section of the movie, and this is usually when men weep the most when they're watching it, on a father's blessing. Most men do not get a father's blessing, Mm. where they are told by their dad I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm grateful you are my child. And girls, most most guys and girls do not get that father's blessing in our culture. We've almost lost that. And so we walk through how to give a father's blessing. And then we have videos where people are receiving the blessing from their dad. And it's just hard not to cry, you know, realizing the power of a father's blessing. And then we walk through, if you didn't get it, how can you receive that from the Lord and still pass it on to others and, and on to your kids? And so it's just a beautiful part of the motion picture. And one that I look around the audience in our test screenings and dads are like, man, they got chills. They're, they're like, I know what to do to my kids now because I've now seen a visual picture of this. And I love that. I love equipping fathers, but everybody ultimately with these principles, how do I give a biblical blessing to others? How do I rectify my own heart if I didn't get one? And so that's, that's, those are the principles and the themes in this film that even, even touched us while we were making it. That's Alex Kendrick, one of the Kendrick brothers, Stephen, Alex, Shannon, and they've got this documentary, Show Me the Father, that drops in September. It's, uh, I think, a week from Friday. Yeah, on the September September 10th. 10th. Yeah. And it's got five stories of different fathers who had good experiences with their fathers. Uh, Jim Daly, a focus on the family, didn't have a a good experience with his father. But it's all just pointing us to the perfect Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this whole story of the blessing um, just made me think of a friend of ours who brings his boy to school every day. And there's this one point that's a geographic location where when they turn that corner— Whatever the conversation is at, at, that is the point at which he stops and he blesses his son. You know, he reminds him of his identity. He says, you are a child of the king, you know, and just like kind of, I don't remember, know exactly what the words are that he says, but he blesses him on the way to school every day. And one day they were driving to school and dad just had something on his mind as he was driving and they turned that corner and his son was like, dad, 
<laughs> Dad. You missed it. <laughs> you missed it. Bless me. Bless me. Mm. It's so important. Our kids want our blessing. And yeah. uh, it's it's never too late to start, even if your kids are grown up. <clears throat> but if you're a young parent, yeah, just, just tell your kids, I love you. I believe in you. I, you know, believe you can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. You're precious to me. And, and it's just awesome to know that that's how the father in heaven looks at us. Mm -hmm. You know, if we've missed out on our father's blessing that because we're in Christ, the father can say of us, you know, you are my precious child and in you, I'm well pleased. How do we teach young men right now? right here, right now, 2021, to become great fathers? So the, the first thing is to have your own walk with God. You know, I can't tell my kids to have a walk with God when I don't have one myself. So daily, I spend time with the Lord and my kids know that. But I also spend time with my kids nurturing their heart. I share with them what I'm learning from scripture. I share with them, you know, what the Lord's doing in my life. I share with them my struggles you know, in, in an appropriate way, I share with them my struggles and how I'm praying through it. And then we as a family will pray through things. And when the Lord brings an answer or a resolution, my kids get to watch that happen. And it stokes the fires in their own heart to have faith in him. So part of it is living what you believe. Uh, so I have a walk with God and then I, I am transferring that by example and by teaching to my children. But the second thing is to win your, your kids' hearts. Mm. As a dad, I have learned if my kids know that I love them, they will listen to me. If they question that, if they think I'm just being too stern or I'm not really hearing them or I'm too busy with my job, I've noticed that they tend to listen to the people they think love them the most. So there was a a couple of of seasons, short seasons, thank the Lord, but short seasons where uh, my oldest daughter felt like, you know, she could rely on her friends more than me. And it was a busy season of my life. And I was like, why is my daughter not listening to me? And so when I learned that principle, when I have their heart, I have their ear. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I don't have their heart, they're they're just more likely to listen to their friends or whoever they think loves them the most. So I spend time not just teaching and sometimes disciplining my kids, but making sure they know verbally and by demonstration that I love them. I want the best for them. And I've noticed when they know that they will listen. You guys, along with this documentary, Show Me the Father, you're re-releasing Courageous. I can't believe that was 10 years ago when it originally came out. But why the re-release right now? And what are some stories of impact that you heard come back to you from Courageous? We originally released Courageous in the fall of 2011. And to be honest, I was stunned with the response. You know, we had hoped and prayed that it would encourage, especially men. You know, we've told movies from both a male and female perspective. War Room is largely a female perspective. And this one, Courageous, is largely a male perspective, but still applicable to all parents and all, you know, adults. Uh, When we originally released Courageous, The thing that stunned me was how many men's groups, churches, even police units that began adopting the principles and the resolution that's taken in the movie. Yeah. Tell us what the resolution is, again, for those listening that might not know. In the original movie, 
the the character that I play, I, I lose a child and I realize I have two children, but I lose one of them. And I realize I was not the dad I wanted to be. And so I spend time in scripture. What does God call fathers to do? And I write down all the principles from scripture and I tell my friends, would you hold me accountable to these? I want to apply these to my life on a regular basis. So I kind of write out a resolution. This is the kind of father, the kind of husband, the kind of man I want to be for my family. And so they're so moved by it that they join me in doing the resolution. And so when we put the movie out, we had a publishing company come to us and say, this needs to literally be out there. And so we put it out in book form called The Resolution for Men. And the resolution, which is 10 kind of like vows that you make for honoring the Lord, you know, being faithful to your family. And so when we did that, the thing went crazy. I mean, we had, we sold thousands of those things and it wasn't to have a product It was more to say, hey, we're making this available to whoever wants it. I was amazed at how many prisons got the book, The Resolution for Men, and chaplains would take the men in prisons through that process. And they said there was unbelievable change because it was it was clearly shared with them what scripture calls men to do and fathers to do. And so they said we needed this roadmap. Everything's from scripture, but it's just like in modern day terms in a way that they can understand and relate to. So the resolution for men book is still out there. The resolution print is still out there, just the principles. And then, of course, Courageous Legacy will visually show you what that looks like. I was invited down to Ecuador and then Panama to these resolution ceremonies that entire police divisions were doing when they watched the movie. The captain, or in, in some cases, the, the government head over uh, police divisions called us and said, we saw this film. And when we want to pitch these principles to our police divisions, many of them are ready to make the resolution. The first time it happened was in Ecuador and it brought tears to my eyes. I'm standing on a stage and 1,500 officers in full uniform are standing in rows in front of me with their wife by their side, repeating the resolution. I would say it, then the police chief would repeat it in Spanish. They would repeat it out loud. They took the resolution, signed it. Then they did this beautiful aspect that's not in the movie. They had their wives put a medal around their neck, just in a show of support, saying thank you for leading our family. Thank you for standing for these principles. And I just wept. I stood on the platform next to the head of police and just thought, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And that that also happened in Panama and it's happened in churches all over America. And we've we've heard so many stories of men that said, I needed someone to show me a standard. Mm. And so that movie, you know, it is an entertaining movie, but also it, it presents a very relatable standard. And and so since then we have gotten letters and emails that have come by the thousands over the last 10 years. So as we approach the 10 year anniversary We asked Sony if we could re-release it, except we wanted to spruce it up. So we have re-edited the movie. We've increased the resolution to 4K. We have done some new score, added scenes, and it has a brand new ending that we just shot where you see all the characters and their families 10 years later. You get to see what what became of these characters. Mm. I don't know that I've ever seen a film where at the end of the film, you literally see all the actors and characters 10 years later. 
I'm not talking about with makeup and prosthetics. I'm talking about literally they're 10 years old. And so we shot that. That was great fun to do, to get back together and to, and to kind of share the next chapter of this movie. So when you see courageous legacy, we added the word legacy. When you see it, you're going to see a lot of elements you've never seen before. And we think there's going to be some surprises and, and delightful twists by the end of the film. So, Stephen, I understand there's a pretty great story behind you and your wife adopting your daughter, Mia. Will you share that with us? When we were finishing Courageous 10 years ago, God spoke to me on an airplane uh, using John chapter 10 about adoption. And it was unexpected. And my wife had actually been praying for me for two years that God would turn my heart towards adoption. And so we went through the adoption process and over the next two years, filled out all the paperwork. And then the Lord really gave us clear direction on who to adopt. And when we brought her back from China, the Lord really opened our eyes to our identity in Christ and the adopted heart of God through that journey. Because we saw Mia go from being an unwanted burden in a communist country to being a beloved welcome blessing with the same love and rights and freedoms and provision as our biological children. And that really parallels our spiritual adoption in Christ, that every person who believes in Jesus, God adopts us into his family. Mm -hmm. So it was transformational for us. And to see that God will give an adopted parent the same love for their adopted child as they do for their biological children is really a beautiful thing. And to know that the Father in heaven sings over us. Yes, and he probably sings on key and in harmony. So <laughs> that's, awesome. that's exactly right. It's funny because I know that if we were in the Lord's presence, we would be overwhelmed mm-hmm. by how much he loves us. Not because we're so lovable. It's because he is so loving. It is his identity. God is love and it flows out of him. And he invites us into that relationship. And when people see the movie Show Me the Father, they feel very loved by God at the end of the film, which is one of the things that we hoped would happen. And we've had people, as soon as it was over with, say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Multiple people. And we've had people say, I need to forgive my dad because I'm realizing God is the father that I need. And I I need to quit expecting my earthly father to be perfect. Hey, just one thing real quick. In another life, I would love to be a filmmaker. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When you and Steven started this thing, you guys were pretty green around the ears, I would say. Pretty, you know, inexperienced. I'm just wondering how you as a creator have noticed the changes in filmmaking that you've been able to make, you know, the growth you've been able to experience in filmmaking from your first film until now. I just, I have to believe that being a filmmaker is just really hard. I mean, there's so many moving parts. You watch the credits at the end of a movie and it's just like, just keeps rolling, rolling, rolling. It is, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of people that it takes to put one together. And I, I learned something about leadership. I, I am to blossom in the giftedness that the Lord has, has designed me to, to have. And for me, I will ask the Lord for ideas and he gives me story concepts. You know, I, I see things in my head, I hear things, 
you know, in my imagination as I, you know, quote unquote, baptize those ideas. And I'm able to direct and write these stories. But I totally admit to you, I need producers around me. I need technical people around me. I need organizers around me to help, you know, accomplish the vision. Just like Walt Disney uh, was not a technical person at all. He would come up with the vision, the picture. He would draw it out. He would come up with the ride and then tell his technicians and people around him, figure out how to build this. He, he didn't know how to build it. He could just see it when it was built in his mind. So I, I sometimes feel like, Lord, we, I'm going to operate in the giftedness that you've given me. I can paint a picture and a vision. I can tell a story. But, uh, Lord, I need you to provide the gifted people around me to, to put it all together. And he does. We have an amazing team. So it does take a lot of people. In a certain sense, it's like a military base moving around from location to location to shoot a scene where you have all your producers and technicians and artists and wardrobe, makeup, everything else. And it's, it's an amazing thing to see. But so I, I worry about the big picture and I make sure that I have some wonderful people, gifted people around me. And, and I thank God for that. I thank God that he's designed us differently with different gifts. Okay. I am, I have just fallen in love with this phrase, baptize the ideas God gives you. I am, I am going to ride that train. I am taking that one into my own life. <laughs> Right. The surrendering of what God gives you to the redemption of what it was meant to be. That's so beautiful. And as you as you describe the process of filmmaking, it makes a lot of sense. And I think maybe it could be in this life and not another life <laughs> that I could be a filmmaker. You could. You could. It does take a lot of patience. You know, it's uh, our favorite phrase that we have on set is we're going to hurry up and wait. Mm. And because you want things to move quickly, but you also want to do it with excellence. And sometimes that that just takes time to get everything right. But it's worth it. And, and after you've been filming for three months and then editing for then another three months and you watch it come out, it's in some sense, it's like a, the birth of a child. You get to see what becomes of it. And we love seeing when we release a film, the lives that it touches, man, that is the most fulfilling aspect of it. And so it is very difficult, but it's also very fulfilling. Well, I have to tell you, your films are bad for my makeup game, but really good for my soul (laughs) and just love what you do. And so incredibly grateful for what God has called you to. And you're just obedient in that. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.